Hi. How are you? Good. How are you? Good. Did you know that I had a relative that told everybody that she was pregnant and then turned out that that was totally faked? Um, that's totally part of my story today. <laughs> I know. But I didn't know that you had one. That's crazy. Right? So, um, yeah. So this relative told us that she was pregnant with twins and like four months into the pregnancy, she said she um, miscarried, but it turns out she was never pregnant in the first place. So what do we call that? <laughs> Munchausen. So that's what we're talking about today. People with Munchausen or Munchausen by proxy. So the definition for those of us that might not know is uh, Munchausen is when someone fakes disease, illness, or a psychological trauma in order to get attention, sympathy, or to get reassurance to themselves. They usually have a history of like lots of hospitalizations. They travel a lot. It's usually with like terminal diseases too. Like they make this huge deal about I'm going to die. And then like 10 years later, you were like, I thought you were dying. What happened to that? I'm still dying. It's <laughs> still happening. It's a slow death. Very slow. Or Munchausen by proxy, which is where a caregiver makes it seem like a child that they're taking care of is sick or they also sometimes make them sick, which is creepy. It's bad enough to be like, oh, my kid's sick. And then to be like, mm, yeah, because I made her sick. Yeah, that's pretty horrifying. Did you know that um, Munchausen by proxy has almost a 10% death rate? Yeah, scary. Yeah, it's considered a severe form of child abuse. And I can't really think of anything worse to do to your children than convince them that they're dying and drag them to the hospital over and over and over. That's terrible. My mother made us go to the doctors a lot, but I think her doctor always knew she was full of shit. So <laughs> I never had any unnecessary medical procedures. Well, that's good. We're two girls on a campfire and I'm Allison and I'm Sarah. And today we're talking about Munchausen syndrome. Yay. Not yay. It's terrible. <laughs> have you seen the movie i think it's called run no not that i what's her name from american horror story sarah paulson uh-huh i think she's in it interesting it okay yeah it was pretty good now i watched that documentary about uh gypsy rose they did the documentary and then they did like i don't remember what it was on maybe netflix they did kind of like a limited series uh, like a more fic fictionalized kind of yeah um that was really interesting i thought as well i think so sad for her because i read this article about her recently because she's in jail and she's like fucking thriving there because that's how shitty her whole life was up until that point that she's like i love jail we gotta go eat and i have friends and i'm just like that's so terrible yeah it's pretty awful when jail is more normal than the rest of your life has ever been because jail's pretty scary yeah, but no, she's like, I have all these women who actually act like a mom and not a poisoner. And well, I mean, good for her, I guess. How long is she in jail for? Can she get out soon? Have to look that up. I think she only got like 10 years, maybe, if that. I feel, yeah, okay. Because I think manslaughter, because technically her boyfriend killed her mom. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. Crazy shit. Well, this is what happens. You make people crazy and then they do crazy things. 
Are you going first or I'm going first? I think it's your turn. Okay. So I'm going to be telling us about Hopi Barra. So in 1998, she gets married and she tells her husband that she's going to school to get her PhD, right? Cool. Good job for you. Well, then for the next full year, she leaves her house every Tuesday and Thursday night and she goes to class. And when that year's up, she tells her husband she finished her PhD program and she began printing PhD all over her business cards and in her email signature, but also like... Why did you have business cards? Weird. But also, like, did she like, hey, I got my PhD, but don't worry, there's no celebration around this. Well, her husband thought it was weird that she could finish (laughs) her PhD in one year part time. But he says that, you know, he was proud of her nonetheless. Yeah, Dookie fucking Hauser over there. All right. So when they started investigating her in 2009, they discovered that she, in fact, did not have her PhD. Shocker. (laughs) I was just like, that's so weird. (laughs) So... In 2001, she starts telling people that she's been diagnosed with bone cancer. And for the next eight years, her fucking story just gets crazier and crazier. So she starts telling people that the cancer has spread to her brain and her lungs. She shaves her head and claims that it was a result of chemo. She starts learning sign language and actually gets a fucking cochlear implant. And what? Yes. So she has brain cancer. So she says that when the tumor was growing in her brain, it like squished, you know, the part of her brain that does hearing. So now she has hearing troubles. So she gets a cochlear implant, which doesn't make any sense because that's just bypassing like your eardrums. Like if you had inner ear damage. So I'm like, if your brain is the one fucked up, that doesn't make any sense. But a doctor actually did it. So who the hell knows? I know you are finishing nursing school, but like our doctors really the stupid. Like tell me, I like we can finish our stories, but then I want to talk about like how dumb these doctors are. Yeah. Remind me. We'll 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 put a pin in that. Yes. But so, so she's learning sign language. She's got her cochlear implant and she goes, so I don't know if she took her husband with her or if she just took a fucking eight month vacay by herself, but she claims that she goes to Alabama and she's getting treatment that she couldn't get anywhere else. In Alabama. Right. There's only one thing you're going to get in Alabama. You can't get anywhere else. (laughs) Listeners, yay, Alabama. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And we know all this because, of course, back in 2001 to 2009, she had a blog. Didn't everyone? MySpace page. And so on this blog, she chronicled uh, her battle with cancer. Do you like how I said chronicles? What episode is that where I try to say it 47 times and I still couldn't? It just came out so natural. Yeah, chronicled. I think it was twins. Uh, She claims that she's on her third relapse of cancer and the end is imminent. And she tells everyone how the cancer has spread. She has a blog post about how she broke the news of her looming death to her family and friends. And then she starts writing on the blog, these loving and encouraging notes to her three kids. And the youngest of him was struggling with terminal cystic fibrosis. So she writes, How I wish I could carry your burdens for you. You are such a brave little girl, and I'm so very proud of you. You keep fighting this monster and never give up. When God calls you to join me, I will be waiting for you with open arms. I will reserve a garden of butterflies for you to play in. What does that even mean? Like a garden? You're like in heaven and be like, 
this acre is mine. I need you to <laughs> screw back. Yeah. Are there fences in heaven? I don't think that's a thing. <laughs> Apparently. So oh, I love how she's still, she's so optimistic that she's going to be rewarded. Right? She's going to get to go to heaven. She's ready. So all of her family and friends at this time, they see her as, you know, loving, brave and fearless mom and they give her gifts and money, which is a reason a lot of people get, you know, Munchausen or Munchausen by proxy is they get rewarded for their behavior, more or less. She even got news uh, outlets to report on her family and their like difficult journey because she has cancer and her daughter is sick. A couple years later, she's still getting chemo and she tells her family that she has become pregnant with twins. She wore maternity clothes. She had named the twins. She had a baby shower. Why she's having chemotherapy? Yeah. Is that even possible? No, but all of this is made up. So everyone's <laughs> like, yay. It's a gift. It's a miracle. Yeah. But also like, how did your husband not go to doctor's appointments with you? At least one. Oh, so this is really interesting. I feel like there's a lot of similarities in our stories, but this is also like pretty prevalent just to having Munchausen or Munchausen by proxy is that they, these women, for the most part, it's usually women. Yeah. Um, they find these really passive men that they are just kind of able to boss around and that even though they play traditional roles where like all things children, the mother takes care of and then, you know, the husband is just part of like, you know, go to work, earn the baking yeah. kind of thing. Like they seek out these relationships to help with the questioning. That's interesting. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. As you would probably guess, five months into her pregnancy, she has a miscarriage due to the chemotherapy. So she tells everyone she takes out this fucking huge amount of money from their bank account and has a funeral. She claims that she has the twins cremated. She gets a fucking commemorative tattoo of them on her back. Like... She was all in. Yeah, give me this tattoo for twins I never fucking had. See, and this is commitment, people. Like, you want to be something? <laughs> don't don't have Munchausen, but like, these women are committed to their story. Go all in. Just, you got to do it all. She bought a commemorative angel statue that they put in their backyard, probably in the butterfly garden. And then she buys two urns that are sealed and they're up on their mantle which is you know the baby's ashes spoiler alert they're later discovered to be empty you don't say it would be worse if they weren't i gotta say (laughs) she just has like firewood ash in there (laughs) from the barbecue she like dumps it in there so she actually has a real child in 1999 and she told friends and family including her fucking husband, that the kid has cerebral palsy and she has to wear leg braces. Again, she's pretty committed. Speaking to her ex-husband, like, recently after she got convicted, he also doesn't want his name mentioned in, like, any media outlet. Shocker. Uh, He says that this went on for more than a year and she pretty much wore her braces, you know, that whole time. And he said, I think she was fine because she ran all the time without them, he said. (laughs) I know. And then he goes, now that I look back, I think that might have been the start of it. But also, he didn't realize the cancer, unless he still thinks she had it. Like, I had a baby, my cancer went away. This is what I'm talking about, is that, like, there there has to be a level of, like, sociopathy involved here. 
Like, how do you convince other individuals that their own child is that ill and that they're like not, that they're so convinced that they're just like, yeah, I guess in retrospect. <laughs> she walks fine. Yeah. But in another weird Munchausen turn, this condition magically fades away when she has her third child in 2004. I mean, it's too hard to have fake cerebral palsy. Like, that's a really, in like, that's a really serious condition. So. Well, also, so her third child was born prematurely. And mm. so preemies usually have actual health issues. So I oh, think- so she was like, I don't have to fake it anymore. Or it's to fake it now. Yeah. So her poor daughter's life is full of medical issues from her birth. And it seems like her uh, abusive relationship with her starts as she brings her daughter to the hospital and she says that she can't swallow, that she's got some weird swallowing dysfunction. You know, she's a preemie. Sometimes it's hard for preemies to like breathe and swallow and suck all at the same time. So the doctors put in a freaking gastro feeding tube so she has a g-tube so it's like in her side goes to her belly and it has a hole and you just insert formula well she decided that you know feeding her through the tube wasn't enough so she decided that she was going to give her a lot of salt like very very high levels and when you go get tested for cystic fibrosis the test is like a sweat test. They will test your sweat. And if you have cystic fibrosis, you have a very high level of sodium in your salt. She actually got a positive result for cystic fibrosis because the doctors didn't realize that her mom was making her sick. And since cystic fibrosis patients like take tons of meds, it's in your lungs. You can't breathe. They do a lot of like chest physio to try and break up. It gets like really thick secretions that you can't like cough up. So that's a lot of the meds they're giving her is like kind of mucinex and all advanced stuff to help with that. So she gets a central line and the central line, it goes kind of under your collarbone and then it goes pretty much directly to your heart. So they believe that she uses this port to continuously remove blood from her daughter's body so that she would look anemic oh my god how old is the child at this point um it goes on until she's like four or five. Oh wow so yeah so she's still little yeah so this is kind of what starts the doctors going what the hell's happening so she goes to the doctor she goes to the hospital she's super anemic and then just by being there she gets better by the time she leaves because mom isn't pulling blood out constantly for a few days. Yeah. So that was kind of one of the first things that kind of tipped the doctors off. And then, so since she's so anemic, they're going to give her an iron infusion. And since she doesn't actually have anemia, it triggers an anaphylactic shock in her and she almost dies. And then another perk of having Munchausen by proxy she tells people that her family is just struggling to pay to pay the medical bills and you know she has cancer and she has cystic fibrosis and we're just both always at the doctors. So they have a bunch of fundraisers and the last the last fundraiser that they do raises $100,000. 
So to give you just a little bit of an idea of like the money she's making off this, like it's ridiculous. Or like in um, Gypsy Rose, she got um, Habitat for Humanity to build them a house that was wheelchair accessible. So you yeah. see, like they get all of this stuff that just kind of reinforces that. Look at the attention I'm getting. I should keep doing it. That positive reinforcement. It's just astounding to me. Like, and it makes me sad for all the people that like genuinely need help, right? Yes. Because they're not like, getting it because they are. Exactly. So since she has this PhD, she's qualified to go and work as a lab director at a pharmaceutical company. This gives her access to all kinds of stuff. And during the investigation, they talk to her coworkers. And two of them are like, she fucking hates us. And we're pretty sure she's been poisoning us. <laughs> what? How, as like a coworker, you weren't like, dude, I'm pretty sure this bitch over here keeps putting something in the coffee. Like, uh, crazy. But I couldn't find anything else about it. Just that like, it looked, it looked just like skinny and sweet. <laughs> right? I'm never eating anything at work. I was going to put that out there probably poisoned so as this investigation starts going on they discover that she orders this is crazy several pathogens that aren't used in her lab so one of them is pseudomonas and it's a bacteria that conveniently causes pneumonia in cystic fibrosis patients and in fact um on one of the times that they did blood work they found several of those pathogens in her daughter's blood. So she was trying to fucking give her pneumonia. Like people die from pneumonia. Like that's yeah. so serious. Also, hold on a second. So obviously, so this woman did not get a real PhD. No. Does she know what the hell she's doing as a lab director? That feels real scary. Yeah. Like, how do you even know what you're doing? You're the director. You just tell other people to do it. I don't know. <laughs> Middle management was like, like, she's great. Yeah, probably. We're prepared to put as many as four people under you. (laughs) (laughs) So she pleads guilty on October 18th, 2010, and she's sentenced to 10 years in prison. So like we said, she's fucking committed. So years later, and she gets interviewed by the Star-Telegram. And she just can't like help herself. I I really think so. So they come to interview her and she shows them this yellow card and it says that she is a hearing impaired inmate. And she starts this interview with like a speech impediment and she's using sign language. And then a few minutes into her interview, she gets so caught up, her speech impediment drops off she appears to hear just fine and goes back to giving her her interview to them. It's like, <laughs> I just imagine like the end of like the usual suspects, you know, with Kaiser Soze and, and then like starts he slowly like stops walking like that and is like straightens out and you're like, oh, <laughs> I wonder if that's what like the interviewers were doing. Like it's happening right in front of us. <laughs> She suddenly stopped using sign language and understands what I'm saying. So shocker. She admits that she knows she was sick and she hurt her daughter, but she really downplays a lot of it. And I think this is kind of a common thing too. Like she claims she was just trying to help her, 
you know, she needed help and she was just trying to get it for her. But her Munchausen, like, is still alive and well in prison. She um, claims that she has memory loss from having been in a diabetic coma multiple times. And she still has a hearing impairment because her cochlear implant failed because she didn't fucking need it. Does she still have that thing attached to the side of her head? I would imagine because you'd have to have surgery to remove it. Yeah, like that's that's why I'm just like, who is this dumb doctor that's like, oh, you can't hear me? Okay. Right. And she her sentence ended in 2019, but I can't find anything about like her release or it was all like out of the the media. I was kind of upset about that. I was like, well, what happened to her? Also, she lives in Texas. All right. That was Hopi Bara. Well, this is super interesting because when I was trying to find a story for this, I happened to notice that a lot of these stories take place in the late 90s, early 2000s, and that a lot of like these women had really similar ways of kind of perpetrating this issue. It feels like it was like a epidemic, like in the early 2000s of like all of these like mothers that were like hurting their kids or, 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 you know, even like killing their kids, like seem to be a thing. Yeah. So I saw a bunch of that too. Uh, so my story is about Leslie Wilfred and Leslie Wilfred was from Thomasville, Georgia. And there are a lot, like I said, there's a a Thomasville, Georgia, sorry. And there are a lot of similarities. So Leslie was 37 when she married um, her husband, Chris, who was 39. They had known each other since they were in high school, um, but they didn't marry each other until later in life in 2007. And when they were married, they both had had children from previous marriages. Leslie had four children and Chris had um, one son. Uh, Leslie's children were, you know, loved and accepted and treated really well but her husband's son was treated really differently. He was a redheaded stepchild, wasn't he? Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> According to the parents, he was, we're going to call him Nathan. His, none of the children's names were revealed, but I found thankfully uh, Nathan as a pretty common euphemism in, in some of the uh, articles. So we're just going to call him Nathan. Uh, according to the, the parents, Leslie and Chris, Nathan was really dangerous. He had a lot of violent outbursts. He would threaten the other kids and neighbors and community members and church people. They said that they never really saw Nathan out of the house. Um, so even when they would take family outings, it would be Leslie's four children and then Nathan would be left at home. I wonder why he's pissed off. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so that, so that's kind of an interesting thing right off the bat. Um, and then Leslie's 13 year old boy, her 13 year old son, um, she had told everybody that he had his gallbladder removed when he was a really young child due to, um, frequent amounts of violent vomiting. So, and then even though there wasn't really any clear explanation, she used to tell people that he also needed a liver transplant. Although she would just say that he needed a liver transplant and not really go into like why or what the issues were. Um, on multiple occasions, her husband, Chris, volunteered to donate part of his liver. But 
They weren't a she match. Found, right. She always found an excuse for some reason why that wasn't possible. In addition to the, her 13-year-old son, she also said that her nine-year-old daughter um, was dying from leukemia. So supposedly, Leslie took her daughter to chemotherapy treatments, and she told her husband that she would take care of the medical bills. And the way that she chose to do this was to set up these like canisters all throughout town um, to collect donations. It was the early days of GoFundMe. Yeah, right. Uh, and then she also said that her other two, two children suffered from a variety of medical and psychological conditions. Um, she even used to tell people that her biracial 11-year-old daughter was the result of a uh, sexual assault from a former coworker, but there was never any, uh, you know, she never reported that to the authorities. Nobody could ever find any kind of facts to back that up. Again, similar to you, to your lady, Leslie was viewed as a really good parent. She went to, she participated in all the school stuff. She was like a classroom mom. They went to church. She did all kinds of church stuff. And despite the fact that Leslie was always saying how sick her kids were, they were always dressed really nice. They behaved well. And so nobody really questioned what she was saying. Um, and then it wasn't until Nathan had a run-in with the Child Protective Services that things really started to kind of unravel. On November 13th, 2008, the Wilfred family got together um, to have a funeral. Three days prior to that, Leslie had called her husband and then called her family from a local hospital and told them that she had been pregnant with twins. She'd been carrying them for about five months. And that she had gone into labor and they were stillborn. According to Leslie, each baby had taken one breath and then passed away. Quite dramatically, right? Right. Like just very like, <gasps> dramatic. And that's it. Did people, did they already know she was pregnant? Like had she been like telling that story too? Or was this like She had. Shock? She had been telling the story um, that, that this was going on. That she was pregnant. And so... They kind of knew, but when she called, nobody knew that she had gone to the hospital. She didn't tell anybody that she had gone into labor. Um, she did disappear for a couple of days and then calls and is like, oh yeah, I had them and they were stillborn. And by the way, I already had them cremated. Instantly. Right. Just happens like that. And again, like so, this poor husband, like you just disappeared for two days and then was like, oh, by the way. Right. She comes home. She has two teddy bear urns ready to go and they have this funeral like I mean this all happened like very quickly um so they have the funeral it was conducted at their local church and it even she had even included a letter that she had written from the perspective of the twins what entitled yeah entitled a letter to our daddy oh god so um, she, she also had two framed ultrasound photos that were on display, like, at, during the funeral, mm -hmm. and was standing by the, the photos, like, asking people, like, oh, didn't they look like Chris? Didn't they look like their dad? That's crazy. Yeah, isn't that, isn't that weird? This all happens, and then shortly after that is when the stepson ends up having, you know, having CPS get involved. They have this funeral. The CBS ends up getting involved because Nathan 
had gone to school and they had just noticed like, you know, some marks or whatever. And this just was not, things weren't adding up. Yeah. Right. A few weeks prior to the twins funeral, um, the police were called to the Wilfred home. Leslie had called the police and reported that Nathan, the stepson had been threatening her children and herself with a knife. So obviously the police show up, they have this conversation and then they went ahead and reported this to Child Protective Services. Because they think she's weird? Well, because they weren't really sure what was going on. Um, you know, why is this kid threatening his family with a knife? Yeah. And so... We need the, to investigate further. Right. So the investigation was that, you know, Leslie w- was meeting with these CPS officials Um, like on a weekly basis to discuss his outbursts and what, you know, what could be done about it. One of the child protective officers thought that her behavior was really bizarre, that he just really felt like she was trying to blame the safety of her family on this, you know, 13-year-old kid, and that she would make several references to the fact that his behavior was going to be responsible for the well-being of her own unborn children. And so the CPS director thought that like this just sounds weird because you're basically saying that like if anything happens to your kids it's his fault but nothing's ever happened yeah we don't actually have any proof that he's violent dangerous or a risk to you or anybody else right after she'd had these meetings then you know claims that she had stillborns CPS continues to kind of be interested in this and they ended up contacting the sheriff's department with their concerns. So the sheriff department decides that they're going to look into this. Um, They go to the hospital and they find out that Leslie was actually not even capable of getting pregnant, that her tubes had been tied prior to her marriage to Chris. Um, The ultrasounds photos were lifted from the internet. And obviously, of course, the urns, when they looked into them, were empty as well. It's crazy to me that the cops were like involved in her medical, like, cause right now we don't think she's hurt anybody theoretically. Right. So like, you're just like, oh, well this bitch is crazy, but she's just making shit up. Yeah. I get, you know, so this, this, the officer that was in charge of this said that he had just like red flags going off, you know, and that he just really wanted to look into it. And when they checked the hospital, you know, to, to make sure that, or like to check that she had actually been there when she gave birth, you know, obviously there's no record of her being in the hospital. There's the doctor's name that she had given them. Like there was no such doctor. So this is really like, this is where they start. And then they realize like, okay, how deep does this go? Yeah. They did. And then what the preliminary findings were that she they did, they got a search warrant of her computer and discovered that Leslie had actually purchased those teddy bear urns like a week before she said that she went into labor. Yeah. So right there, you obviously know that something is going wrong. It turns out that her son who had had his gallbladder removed, obviously was never in need of a liver transplant. And it turns out that her daughter did, was not dying from leukemia that she would take her to the hospital, but like nothing ever happened. Like they just went to the hospital. And they'd be like, yeah, she's fine. Bye. Yeah. Like they would just like hang out at the hospital. And that, so that's kind of what's going on there. But then poor Nathan, he was the one that was really 
getting like the brunt of her abuse is that officers discovered after searching their home that a two by two wooden box had been secured to the walls of a closet and that this is where they would put Nathan and they would secure him. They would put like plastic bands around his arms at night and that's where he would sleep. Like two foot by two foot? What are we talking? Not very big. And it was like her and her husband? Yeah. So let me get right. Like this is his kid. But so um, officers also found that Nathan had like dug in or like written with a pen on the inside of this box and just like how awful it was. And when they did a psychological eval, they found out he was he didn't have any, you know, like undiagnosed kind of like anger issue that he was actually suffering from PTSD from just being treated this way. Okay, locked in a box every day for sure. Yeah. So obviously she was arrested. <laughs> so in 2011, Leslie was sentenced to prison. She was, she was sentenced to 20 years in prison, um, but only to serve eight years. And then the remainder of her probation would be 30 years. So she did eight years served in prison. And then her probation was for 30 years after she was released. Um, during her 30 years of that probation time, she was not allowed to contact her children at all. Um, there's some pretty strict things in place around this. Um, she entered a guilty plea to five counts of cruelty to children. And then her husband, Chris, had also been charged and pled guilty to a one count of child cruelty because he even though he said he didn't realize that she was lying about these other things, he did kind of go along with putting his son in a box. He said that he did it because he wasn't home all day and he would come home and she would tell her how awful he was and like how scary. And so he just really kind of believed what she was saying and went along with it. Yeah. So she like played it off as like, Oh, if we, you know, let him sleep in a bed at night while we're sleeping, you know, he'll come attack us. It's kind of yeah. like, yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. Other conditions of her probation include um, she has to undergo alcohol and drug screening and treatment. And then she had to pay restitution to the church and to the church pastor for funds that she received under false pretenses. It still doesn't seem all that severe. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, this poor kid, like. So again, I couldn't find any additional information. I assume that the kids went into foster care at that point. Um, couldn't find any additional information about them or the husband, Chris. And so this was in 2011. She was for eight years. So she also would have been released around 2019. Um, could not find anything further about her being released or where she might be. I think a lot of the times these women like change their names or have some sort of identity protection, like through legal stuff. Yeah. Cause theoretically they've paid their time. You know what I mean? So you don't want them being harassed, I guess. Well, right. Cause I mean, if you think about, it was always really interesting to me that like the whole like Casey Anthony thing, like she didn't change her name. She didn't even like move out of Florida. Did she like, <laughs> she was still, like, and she still uses, you know, her notoriety. Own. Yeah. So, but I think a lot of these, like, they don't want to draw attention to that. So that is, was the case of 
Wesley Winfred. That's interesting. She, I don't know. It's just crazy. Like it was so subtle. It's strange that he didn't like tell anybody at school because he was like 13. Yeah. Poor thing. She probably threatened him. I'm sure. Yeah, I mean, I mean, who knows? Like, who knows what these people tell their children, right? And I you're pretty, you're pretty uh gullible as a small child, right? Like you really look up to adults to be the people that that are leading you the right direction. So but I mean says you're sick, you must be sick. But also like you know, some parents are like, oh, if you do this, I'm going to do that. And then they just never do it. Like she fucking locks you in a box. So if she tells you she's going to do something, you're probably scared shitless that she fucking will. Yeah. And you know what? Just a quick correction. I was wrong. He wasn't 12. He was 10. The stepson oh. was 10. So that I think he was still a little bit younger. That's even worse. Children are resilient. So hopefully... Hopefully he's okay. Hopefully all of, you know, all of the kids that survive this kind of stuff are okay. But yeah, it's like, it really like fucks you up in the head. I wonder too, if any of them, like one of the articles I had read, she, um, she had poisoned her daughter for solid 10 years or something. And her daughter is an adult now. And she tells people her mom didn't do anything. Oh yeah. I read that one as well. I can't remember, but, and I'm just like, was she convinced that she was sick enough that she was like, my mom didn't do it because it was like, I don't know, poison or like, it wasn't just her telling people she was sick. Like she was like actively poisoning this kid. Yeah. I read that one too. And then she, yeah, she just maintains it she was really sick as a kid and that she, but that she was already, but yeah, that she was already improving by the time they removed her from her mother's home. But it's like, who knows? I mean, that's just psychologically crazy. I mean, like I said, at the beginning of the episode, like I'm pretty sure my mother suffers from some form of this, you know, I'm not sure how. Well, and I wonder too, if it's more like hypochondrianism, like, She's worried that you are sick. So she's like, oh, any little germ, right? Isn't your mom like a germaphobe too? Weirdly. She is. Yeah. My mother is a weird germaphobe or she used to be, but yeah, well, and there is, there are some differences between hypochondria and Munchausen's for sure. But the story I told in the beginning about the relative was actually my mother who had told us when we were adults you know, in our twenties that she was pregnant with these twin boys and she'd always wanted a baby boy. And like, and I didn't see her, we didn't live in the same state or anything. So this is just all over the phone. But I do remember thinking, I mean, we had smartphones. It was like the early days of being able to send pictures and stuff, but like, she would never send me. I was always like, Oh, well, like, this is weird. My mom's pregnant. Like, I guess, let me see a picture of you pregnant. And she would never send a picture. You know, like I always thought it was kind of weird. Like at this point she would have been in her late thirties, early forties. Like what were the odds that she was going to be pregnant? And then I do remember like months later, her calling and just saying like, oh yeah, well they went away. (laughs) And my sister and I going, well, what are you talking about? Like pregnancies just don't go away. Like, did you have a miscarriage? Were they stillborn? Like what's going on? And she was just incredibly vague, wouldn't give any information. But since then, I mean, she has told us that she's had kidney failure and that she's, you know, she has said that she had has had cancer 
you know, multiple times when that turned out not to be true. And so it's like, okay, what's going on here? Like, what can we believe? Right. This has gotten progressively worse from you just thinking I was like, had a cold all the time to like full blown, like lying about some pretty serious medical conditions. So, I mean, maybe it's progressive as well. I wonder too, if these kids end up having like Munchausen. Like, because they grew, because that's usually what happens when you do have Munchausen's, like you had a sibling who was sick or your mom was sick. And so you saw the attention that they would get and you're like, well, I want that attention. You know, I want people to come by and bring me lunch and I want them to be like, oh, can I run errands for you or whatever? So I, and I mean, most of these kids aren't grown yet. Cause like you said, it was the last 10 ish years or so, but I just wonder if here in a few years we'll have like this rash of like Munchausen people. Maybe like, maybe, maybe that's how it comes in cycles. Cause like I said, all of these stories were like, I mean, of course there were some from before and some after, but it was really like 1998 through like 2010. There were so many stories about this. Well, and also I think that's when we kind of brought light to the subject too. So I wonder if it's kind of like, you know how like currently everybody's like, oh, everyone has autism. And we're like, well, probably everyone had it. We just didn't diagnose for it then. And like with social media, we just hear about everything more. But yeah, I just wonder, because I think um, in my story, and I think her mom had been sick for a while too. So, I mean, she had that little bit of experience of, hey, look what happens when you're sick. You get this attention and Or like her mom kind of did it to her a little bit, like very mild. So like, that's normal, right? When you grow up? Yeah. I mean, and and here's the thing, like if you are isolated, if it is just you and your parent or you and your parent, your sibling, or, you know, whatever the case is, like if a lot of the times they like insulate these kids. And so like, they don't really leave the house a lot and they don't really have a lot of outside influence they're homeschooled because they're too sick to go to school yeah so you're just not really getting information from anywhere else so well even with like gypsy rose her mom used to make her ride in a wheelchair but then when she was at home she was allowed to walk around but so literally every person that knew her or of her thought she was disabled and had a wheelchair So then like mom died and they went to arrest her. She like walks out and they're like, what are you doing? Like, like, I got this. (laughs) Yeah. Was it her or someone else that they thought she was like, I think it might've been her. She turns out to be like 24, but she had like told everybody she was like only 16 to like. Yeah. There's a, yeah. There was a lot of stuff around that specific one about her age and that how her mom just kept like lying about her age she didn't even know that she was in her 20s well because you get resources for children mm-hmm. and then once you hit a certain age society's like, oh, yeah whatever so definitely having a sick kid would be more I don't know she would get more stuff sympathy yeah it's more yeah. sympathy inducing right if it's your yeah. child versus like your adult your, child your Nobody adult cares. child yeah, yeah. Nobody cares. (laughs) (laughs) Less people care. (laughs) Right. But and like you were saying about doctors. So, okay. So I work at a PZR and I've only been there a little bit, but apparently we have this lady and she comes in a lot 
once again, colds are not a reason to go to the ER, Jesus, but she'll bring her kids in and be like, oh, they're sick with this or that or whatever. And most of the time they'll be like, they're fine, go. But a while ago, whatever doctor was on call that day was like, oh, well, let's do blood work and let's check this and that. And we're all like, no, you're giving her what she wants. Like you, you doing that is just going to enable her for next time she comes, she's going to want that. And then something else or like parents who take their sick kids to the doctors and the doctors say, Hey, they have a virus, just wait it out. Well, most people don't understand, but so you don't get antibiotics for viruses. It's not going to do anything, but if you bitch enough at your doctor, they'll give you antibiotics which is why we have all this antibiotic resistant fucking bugs out because we're giving people who don't have a need for it. We're giving them antibiotics because we're tired of listening to their parents. Like, so, I mean, is that really, and especially I know right now the medical field is just like overwhelmed, right? Like yeah. you're, you're on the East coast. So like, and I, like I'm in Colorado and our COVID cases have gone like through the roof in the last month or so. Oh, see ours is the office. I feel like we're actually slowing down. See, we were pretty good. I think for most of the year. And then I don't know, people just got complacent or, you know, I don't leave my fucking house, but like, <laughs> you yeah. know, people. And so our cases are actually like on the rise here and our medical system is being overloaded. And I know that this has been the case for the last basically two years. I know there's been issues in the medical field before that, but like, talk to me about these doctors that are willing to just give in to these like bitchy parents. Well, and usually I think it's less at the hospital and more at like your pediatrician's office. Okay. Where like, I don't remember, I think I saw it on Facebook, like some stupid mom's group I'm in or something, but she was saying how she took her kids to the doctor like a week or two. He had a virus. He wasn't getting better. So then the doctor looks in his ears and they're red. So he finally gave her an antibiotic. And I'm like, does red mean you have an ear infection? Like, or is it your kid and just keep sticking your fucking finger in your ear? Like, you know what I mean? But it just gets yeah. to the point where you just, I don't know. You're just like, okay, fine, whatever here. Interesting. I just, so I guess I can understand that. Like, okay, fine. You're the mom. You don't really understand how bugs or bacteria work. Well, and that's like, the thing too. Like, why don't we educate them? Right. But like, here's something to just shut you up and I need to get on with my day. I guess I can understand that a little bit better than somebody saying like, oh, I can't hear. And they're like, oh, well, let's surgically implant this device into the side of your head, which is what happens. You have brain surgery. Yeah. Yeah. And so like, so that to me is just like, what's, are people not reading medical records? Well, like, what is that's happening? the thing too. So they travel a lot, right? So you go to different hospitals all over the place. If they don't have, well, it's getting better now. So like, there's like a main healthcare electronic record. It's called Epic. A lot of places use it. And the nice thing about Epic is if the doctor's office has it and the hospital has it, you can all see everything. So like when I worked labor and delivery, the OB doctors had it. So you could go in and look at their vitals from their last checkup or their weight or whatever you needed to look at. So it was all connected. But before that, also electric uh, medical records are really fucking expensive. So these little mom and pop places, especially now before like computers and stuff, like they did paper charting. So you'd have to call them, see if they would fax you their info. You know what I mean? So if you tell a doctor, hey, 
I have this and I can't hear and you, I guess, fail a hearing test. I don't know. You know what I mean? So he might not have the record that said you had brain cancer. He just has you telling them because that is a thing. Like we will ask you your health history. So, I mean, if you tell us you have all these issues and you're sick, we're just like, okay. You know what I mean? Like, well, yeah, I mean, cause right. You can't really be like, we don't believe you. (laughs) Like that's going to be the end of the medical industry. It's so, it's such an interesting dynamic. But also with like the, everybody wants to sue everybody mentality. And also I think, what if there is something wrong? Like, you know what I mean? Like, you don't want to be that doctor that's like, "Mm, I'm like 99.9% sure that you're fine, but let's do this anyways. Or like, if you come to the doctor and you tell them that your kid's been throwing up for two weeks, every day, all day, nothing helps. They're going to worry. You know, they're like, oh, my side hurts. Well, maybe it is appendicitis. Like, yeah, I just, I find it really fascinating. Just the whole thing. But I think the technology piece that the, the age of technology that we live in today definitely was not available on the same scale, you know, 15, 20, 30 years ago. Yeah. Well, and I mean, even so I worked labor and delivery. It was like over a year, year and a half ago. And the people, this was before we had Epic. So I would have to call the doctor's office and be like, Hey, we have this, this 35 week mom that's here. I don't have fucking prenatal records. Can you fax them to me? And then they'd be like, oh, I faxed them four times. And I'm like, well, I haven't got them. Yeah. So even, you know, and that, like I said, it was like a year and a half ago, but even just that, you know what I mean? Like, and then you get tired of fucking asking. So you're just like, what did, ask the mom. Hey, was everything fine? Was this fine? Okay. Yeah. Because that's better than nothing, I guess, depending. Crazy. (laughs) Well, I found this really fascinating, um, super crazy that the death rate is as high as it is like that's that's the concerning part I mean it like it it feels you know ethic ethically and morally wrong to run around telling people that you're you know uh, terminally ill when you're not but there's a whole other level when you're doing it to your children on a level that like you're actually killing them and I wonder too like we're not out here reporting that we have Munchausen by proxy so how many people are dying that we've no idea about that we just, yeah. Oh, this poor mom, her kid was so sick or like if they died before they're one, oh, it must've been SIDS. Cause we ruled out everything else. I wonder how many of those are self-inflicted or, you know, horrifying. It is. Well, don't tell people that you're dying if you're not really dying. Don't pretend to be pregnant. Also, I think it's funny about that, that everybody makes it to about five months. So I'm assuming that's when you start showing, right? Five months. I don't know. I I have no children. How hard, how far along are you when you start showing? I feel like it depends, but apparently to the general public, the consensus is five months. Yeah. Four to to five months. And then, yeah, I always think of that movie. uh, What is it? Baby's mama with, you know, Amy Poehler. And she's like, how far along are you? And she's like, oh, you know, whatever it was, 14 weeks or something. And the other woman's like huge and she's not showing at all. Yeah. It totally depends. But yeah, apparently that general consensus is like four to five months, but also it makes sense because 20 weeks or so is when you have like your big anatomy scan and you find out the sex and it's like this big, huge deal. So I imagine that's a little harder to fake too. Yeah. I, I just, I can't even, I can't even imagine like trying to pull that off or wanting to wanting to. 
yeah or wanting to that's true yeah. but it's just like exhausting to be like oh I'm pregnant like I just like I don't know so like, much work like you said they're so fucking much committed <laughs> like, yeah there is a level of commitment here that is so when I read that report about like oh like we try to separate it from mental health and that you know these women aren't necessarily delusional it's like aren't they though like if you're that committed isn't there like a level of true belief oh yeah you you're invested and you think whatever will get you attention I guess I knew this girl in high school this is not Munchausen but I don't know maybe you can tell me if this is a real medical (laughs) condition so I knew this girl in high school and she was one of those girls that literally her dream was to grow up and get married and have babies that's all she wanted to do it's all she ever talked about when I was 15 I thought it was fucking weird like (laughs) like I was just like wow okay and she had you know she was also pretty bossy and she had a really passive boyfriend that was like very much like into like just giving her whatever she wanted. And it was like one of those very strange, toxic kind of, you know, high school relationships that you really think is going to end when high school ends. And it didn't. And they ended up getting married. And this whole thing happened where like she said that she was pregnant and she genuinely thought she was pregnant. Like her stomach started to grow. Hysterical pregnancy. Yeah. So she had all of this stuff. She's like six, seven months into this pregnancy, but she, she went to the doctors and was like, well, I can't feel the baby. I can't feel the baby. Like, isn't this weird? Maybe she wasn't that far along. I don't know. Um, but like enough that like her breasts had gotten bigger, her stomach, like she looked pregnant and the doctor's like, you're not pregnant. I don't know what to tell you. And she was like, what are you talking about? I'm not pregnant. And he was like, yeah, like you have like your HCG, right? Is that the hormone yeah. pregnancy hormone? Your HCG is elevated, like all of this stuff, like her There's hormones nothing in were there. elevated, but yeah, there was no fetus. Is that a real thing? <laughs> like, does that happen? I mean, if you believe, you know what I mean? Like your brain can do it like with placebos. So like I give you some pill that doesn't help you, but you think it helps. So it will. Like if she had taken a pregnancy test and it was positive, And like you said, that's the only thing she ever wanted. Yeah. Like that's the brain is fucking crazy. Yeah. It's, it's a powerful tool. Like it really, truly is. Yeah. If you decide like you're the, sick, the, you'll be sick. Yeah. The mind body connection is, is a lot stronger than people acknowledge you know, yeah. if anybody th- yeah acknowledges or even thinks about so all right fascinating subject this week yes it was okay so i made dj watch mothman prophecy last night with richard here <laughs> we haven't watched ever so i think next week we should do creatures because i like Ooh. i want to go like did this bridge really collapse like everything in that movie right like i hadn't seen it like came out but like he has like all these recordings of like the Mothman calling him on the phone. And so I'm like, is that really like a thing? Like, so yeah, so I gotta look it up. <laughs> he dials with his antenna. <laughs> Maybe. It's mind control. Cause that was it too. Cause like at one part, Richard Gere like grabs this book that's next to him and he's like, what's the line on page 12 in the second paragraph? And the Mothman like reads it to him. I don't know why moths are so scary, but they are creepy little creatures. Like if you think about it, like it's, it's like a pretty prevalent, like symbol in stuff like that. Right. Like it was in silence of the lambs. Did you ever read phantoms? Mm -mm. Dean Koontz? Oh yeah. I'm sure I did from forever. ago. There was a crazy, scary moth in that thing. Like moths are scary. (laughs) 
<laughs> I'm about to get a moth tattoo, which is hilarious. That's wow. <laughs> We're gonna have to talk about that. Okay. All right. So creatures next week. That's exciting. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll do creatures then. And uh don't forget to what is it? Like review. Review, <laughs> like, and subscribe. <laughs> Between the two of us, somebody will spit it out. We're online at the number two girls and I can't fire.com or on Facebook, Instagram. Check us out. All right. And we'll see, see you around, around the campfire. campfire.